The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Here we go again. The weeks keep rolling around and all of a sudden we are heading towards the middle of July which will be this weekend, and then there's August, and then there's September. And September means finals, and certainly clubs are eyeing uh, a position in the top eight. And it certainly got very interesting come the weekend with losses to Richmond and Brisbane, and of course also St Kilda. Joining us for the AFL review on a Monday night for Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, Kim Hagdorn. Good afternoon, Hank. Hey, Pete. Hello, everyone. I think uh, another one there, too, is uh, St Kilda, you know, mm. with the, the way they faded the other night. And uh, I, I know Port Adelaide are still about the place, but uh, I, I think the side that is most vulnerable now to their finals hopes is probably Richmond. Yeah, they've with, got a few injuries even now. Even though they're sitting at eighth, and injuries to and Curvis and Lynch at the weekend and Soldo, all in that uh, that loss. But But even that... How can you sort of – and they've done it re, uh, sort of unfortunately a bit regularly this season as Richmond, Pete, where they've led early in, uh, into last quarters and led by bigger margins early in games and lost. There's four or five of those, I reckon, if you skim back through mm. with Richmond. And this one led by 40 points three minutes into the second half and lose, last kick of the game, all of that. But they did also lose some important players. Lynch very early, 15, 10, 15-minute 15 mark of the first quarter, and then Curvis. Uh, and certainly the Soldo one, he finished the game, but he's going to miss a week or two now. Yeah, he's going to break it. not ready, and, and yeah. Martin, Dustin Martin. Martin's out for another week so, and possibly a week after that. So it could be two weeks for Martin. And yet we originally got told it was hamstring awareness. Yeah. Well, I, I keep saying, why do clubs come up with this 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 garbage that they come out with? Hamstring awareness, and he's going to miss three or four weeks. Mm. So, but Richmond. The vulnerability there is that they're in eighth spot. I said last Thursday, I felt that the top eight, last Monday and Thursday, certainly last Monday, that the top eight was set. I didn't sense a change, and history shows there's virtually no change, maybe one from round 17 onwards, at best round one, uh, one change. But North Melbourne, Fremantle, this is Richmond. North Melbourne, Fremantle at home, that's in at Marvel. Brisbane at the MCG. Port Adelaide away, Hawthorne, and finish with Essendon. Richmond still might get... 12 th- wins? Well, I think three or four they'll need. So they'll need at least three out of that last six, won't they, Pete? That's right. But we have ascertained, and we've been through it uh, as everybody does, I think you might need 13 wins to make the finals. That makes Richmond even more vulnerable. But to whom? I don't trust St Kilda. The Bulldogs are 8-8. Eight and eight. Gold Coast are eight and eight. Port are eight and eight. I'm just not so sure that Richmond <laughs> are going to falter that much that they don't hold on to eighth spot. I still think the eight is set, even though Richmond is the most vulnerable side in that. What it does do, it, 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 there is more and more opening up for Fremantle for this to be a, a whopping year for Fremantle. With Melbourne, of course, dropping the game on Thursday and Brisbane dropping that game against Essendon up at the Gabba, even though they were undermanned somewhat because of injury and COVID. Yeah. You'd think. At home, and what it shows me is they lack depth. Yeah, Brisbane Lions lack depth. They didn't have the players coming in that did the job against Essendon, who have been pretty awful this season. Which, which is annoying, and it's the same as it's annoying to think that clubs with lists of 44, 45 players 
just rely on their preferred 17, 18 mm. main players and two or three others that float through in and out amongst a six or seven. If you lack depth and you have to harp on about it, I look at poor development. I look at the development program, and that's where I have to come back to in, in time. But just as a summary point now, Peter, for Adam Simpson to mention after yesterday's loss, and I think that was a pretty disgusting loss, to not score in the first quarter at home. This wasn't at the MCG uh, or Marvel. This was here in Perth at the stadium, their, their beloved home ground, on a day that Josh Kennedy was going to be a bit of a celebrity. Mm. And they planned for Kennedy. He didn't travel the week before to play this game to get his 700th. There was a lack of interest in that yesterday in that first quarter. And to then come out and claim, oh, we had a lot of players out, well, I can only – they're good players. McGovern, Yo, Sheed, Cripps, Allen and Cole. I don't, there's no more. No. There's, there's no more players that were out than just those important ones. They would only be the ones that were not available yesterday. And the Yo one, for him to have been fitness tested the previous weekend, the previous Friday, and then travelled to Melbourne, the loss of Yo is probably your own fault. Mm. A player as suspect as Elliot Yo is put through a fitness test on a Friday morning for getting on a plane that afternoon. So they've contributed to their own. And that's where I continue to say there is a la- their lack of depth at West Coast because there's been poor development. So you, you, could, you could say you could question the development at Brisbane as well if you're so relying. Where Brisbane also are in trouble, Peter, their two big forwards are not anywhere near. So Danaher and Hipwood wouldn't carry the bags to the bus. Hmm. Of 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 what's at Geelong, and certainly what we saw yesterday. At Carlton. At Carlton. And I think we had a conversation just before we came on air. We've talked about the power of Hawkins and Cameron at uh, Geelong and why they are so highly rated as possibly a premiership and a serious premiership fancy. But we're not. What I saw yesterday with Charlie Kerno and also Harry Mackay. Now Kerno's missed a lot of footy. Only came back at the end of last year after being out for almost a season and a half. He was huge yesterday, mm-hmm. huge. And and so was Harry Mackay. And I just think all of a sudden, on the back end of those two, they are developing Carlton. And they could be, uh, certainly in the next couple of seasons, a very exciting side to watch. Saying that, they had Tom DeConing, who was very good as well. Uh, took Particularly on Nick, his first quarter. Took on Nick Natanui yesterday and certainly had his measure for the most part. You know, Matthew Kennedy was good. Patrick Cripps was good. And the only shining light for the West Coast Eagles, and we brought up in conversation last Thursday regarding the decision that needs to be made Mm. at Mineral Resources Park, the home of the West Coast Eagles, regarding Shannon Hearn, who was clearly the best for West Coast yesterday. And all of a sudden, if Hearn wants to go on, he did his case a lot of good yesterday if he's discussing at the moment that with the football department at the Eagles. Hearn, Duggan, Shuey... They were their better players yesterday. Mm. It Again, the development, the lack of it. Where are the younger players that are actually rising? Are you seeing enough of the youngs, enough promise in any of the youngsters to think, well, he's going to play next year and 2024, 2025, when we expect to be back contending for, you know, finals, let alone a premiership. You're just not seeing it. And yet Shannon Hearn, the 35-year-old, 313 games, is it, Peter? 314th yesterday. 35 in a few weeks' time was West Coast's best player, playing for a, playing for it through the midst of a tough consideration, decision-making time, uh, by far their best player, as mm. you say. But I, I also think the lack of development 
with the likes, even Barras, to get monstered like he did yesterday and the likes of Bazo and the likes of Edward just been on the list for three or four years yeah. and yet was comprehensively destroyed yesterday by a, a far more mm. sort of competent player. That, that is questionable yeah. development. And, and also questionable team operations to help these kids. And the other thing with Tom Barras, he's not the player that we expect from him. He was well beaten by, of course, two-metre Peter in the first half against Essendon. Yep. And had two-metre Peter kick straight, he could have had half a dozen. Well beaten yesterday. He just doesn't seem to be the player that we have come to expect as he now becomes one of the senior players in defence for the West Coast Eagles. Your thoughts on... Where Tom Barras is. And the only positive that I saw yesterday on the back end of Shannon Hearn's performance, I reckon there's a bit of upside with Bailey Williams. I just feel that they need to work with him because I think he's got a bit in him to maybe become quite a steadying influence as the big man uh, in the middle of uh, the ground. And I just thought and he's tough. He contests. He shows effort. And he goes okay. So, and he's only 22. So mm. there's, I think, an upside for the West Coast Eagles talking about the younger players. Yeah. Look, and Barras is going to be there for a long time. But the, the concern with, with me on Barras is he's just become too reliant on Jeremy McGovern mm. doing what Jeremy McGovern does as one of the best in the competition. Jeremy McGovern, Stephen Maylike as the best interceptor and also – the director of traffic, you know, come here, go there. I'll cut across in front, cut across, come in, uh, Tom, yelling and screaming instructions. Where is the development to prepare for when these guys aren't there? McGovern, I still keep hearing, no guarantee to go on beyond next year. Now, West Coast aren't going to contend for any kind of premiership there. I'm not even sure they can seriously contend for finals next year with the way they're operating because I, 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 get the impression that West Coast are sitting back and that's, this is the coach sitting back, waiting for the same stuff to happen that happened in 218, 219, 220 when they were going okay. Mm. Certainly better than okay in 218. But I think they're sitting back. They're still waiting for the same systems and structures and strategies without having taught the new boys how to play like Jeremy McGovern and Tom Brass in tandem, you know, and, and Duggan at, at their feet and Shepard there and yo at their feet, and the and the midfield pressing back so you get extra numbers. There's just not enough, to me, watching West Coast, enough uh, strategy and education to prepare for these departures. I, I think the Hearn one, it probably now, he probably goes on now. I think so. If Adam Simpson stays as coach. Yeah, because the thing, yeah, well, the thing is, and we'll be moving on to Fremantle shortly, and you can join us on the Tempera Bedshed text line. We've got a couple already. 0487 736, love 736, 0487 736, 736. Love to hear from the West Coast Eagles fans. We discussed it yesterday in the call. You talk about Shannon Hearn. Mm -hmm. He retires. Huge hole to fill in defence. Josh Kennedy, who kicked his 700th Eagles goal yesterday, Regardless of what you think about Josh Kennedy, he's retiring probably against Adelaide in a few weeks' time. It'll be a huge farewell. But he's going to leave an enormous problem mm. for the West Coast Eagles up forward because a couple of defenders always go to him, Haggers. He contests. He shows great effort. And he can kick a goal. Like the first goal yesterday mm. was a difficult shot, and he nailed it. And I said to a couple of the, the fellow broadcasters yesterday – Josh Kennedy is probably kicking as well as he's ever done. 
he scored some great goals this season from difficult situations. So there's a couple of major, major problems at either end of the ground if both of those legends decide to retire. Just on Kennedy, his form and his kicking uh, is appealing when he's fresh. Correct. Now, he'd rested the week before. Mm. Now, he's hobbling his way through to, to the end of this season. We know, we know, and I don't think too many other people have said much about it, he's got a bunged-up knee. He really struggles. He can't train, Josh Kennedy. He'll get through. So has to possibly have to miss again this week to freshen up for the following week here at home again. So misses the Hawthorne game, I suspect, or would he want one last outing on the MCG? If he takes that on, then... Uh, I would suspect that he's suspect to St Kilda at home because mm-hmm. he can't. He's going to struggle for these last four or five weeks of the season to play two and three in a row. But Kennedy goes, well, Jack Darling can step up, can't he? He's played 250 games waiting for some, well, it's time for him to do a heck of a lot more than he did even yesterday. And I know you can claim, you can claim the ball didn't go in there much, but it did in the second quarter. It did in the second quarter when he had three touches. So, uh, they, they certainly turned things around yesterday, West Coast, from that horrid first term where West Coast had two inside 50 entries. Okay, Jack Darling didn't have a great day, but none of the others did. But that's no excuse for, for Darling just to have three touches in the second term when they had 24 forward entries, and that's when others bob up. And before we get off, the turnaround from yesterday, I mean, in that second term, West Coast had 17 inside 50s, to Carlton's 12, and the contested possessions went up to 41 to Carlton's 29. Yeah. They've, they've reversed that. Where was Liam Ryan? He is another issue. Oh, he's going to Adam be, Simpson. He's has, not there. Adam Simpson has to address that. He he would have to be dropped this week. You could not he possibly. Was, he was deplorable yeah. yesterday. But because Adam Simpson has supported Jack Darling through horrendous form early this season, he probably supports Liam Ryan as well. But yeah, he and should, the other he thing about Jack Darling, he's 30 years of age. I reckon his yeah. best football's behind him as well. Let's go to Lisa, who's joined us, and then we'll hear from Adam Simpson regarding okay. his assessment of the game uh, yesterday. Lisa, good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, Peter. Hi, Kim. Hi, Hope you both had a great weekend. Yep. Um, firstly, congratulations to the Aussie boys for winning the, winning the doubles. Oh, Matt Ebden, and, fantastic. Um, good West Australian. Yeah, that was. It was really good. And I, I wasted a lot of hours um, staying up to watch um, <laughs> Curios's match. But good, well done to Doc, which I knew he'd win anyway. Um, getting on to the Eagles, um, boys, Kim, I agree with everything that you've said um, tonight about those about the Eagles. Um, Shannon Hearn has to go on next year because mm. um, he's still playing, playing good football. Um, and I was even muttering to myself yesterday that Liam Ryan has to has to go back to the waffle. He has has not contributed at all this year. I don't know what is going on with him. The midfield yesterday was absolutely terrible. Um, Nick Natnui, um, he just wasn't there. And the back line, if it wasn't for the back line, I, well, I, I don't know. You know, like with Shannon Hearn. Um, and as you say, Tom Barras, um, he, I, I don't know, Kim, is he lacking a bit of confidence, like you say, with, with um, Gov not being there or, or, or what's going on with him? I, actually, I, I think the whole team, I, I, there's, there's something definitely going on within that club with all those boys. And, and I question the development coach because some of those younger guys like Petricelli and those, they, they haven't come, come at all over the years, you know, compared to what, you, you know, when you look at Fremantle's young guys, mm. Mm. Um, Eagles come last. Yeah. 
yeah. in that in, in that department. Yeah, good on you, Lisa. Uh, thanks for your thanks, call. Thanks, Lisa. I mean, to support that, and I'll generalise a little bit because I don't want to seem. I've I've been very harsh in the last two or three years on where West Coast Development Program is headed. Throw some, throw me a name of a young player at West Coast who's actually improved his performances and certainly his physique over the last two or three years. All right, we're going to throw that out to our listeners as well. Okay, on the temperate bedshed text line, a question to you from Ke Hagdon regarding a young player that has improved over the last couple of seasons in his development and his physique. 0487-736-736. Come and join us on the Tempera Bedshed text line or the Scarborough Toyota open line 13-12-55. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Oh, it's a, yeah, Jekyll and Hyde type of game. Um, uh, the first quarter is the, the most disappointing part of today. The last quarter, um, game was up for grabs. I thought we spent a lot of energy getting back into the game. But the first quarter, we, you know, we knew what they were going to bring. And they're a very honest side, Carlton. It's contest-driven, stoppage. Um, but we, we gave them four or five goals from turnovers. We probably got caught up in going a little bit too quick. But I thought they were, they were brutal in the first quarter around the ball. And we overused it a tiny bit. So going into the last quarter, uh, 10 points down, you know, a game up for grabs. Yeah, we were really disappointed how we just, just we couldn't defend. Um, the Blues were the, what they were doing with the ball and then the contest and clearances took over. So that, that was really disappointing. But the, the first quarter was the, the part that, you know, we can't accept. We've got to get better than that. Mm. Saying that, you're down by 34 points at quarter time. It was a 10-point differential at three-quarter time. You'd think, and Adam Simpson, we're going to leave the Eagles in a moment because we need to get onto the Fremantle Dockers because that was a huge effort on the weekend. And you'll hear from Justin Longmuir. You think you spent a lot of your tickets getting to 10 points behind at three-quarter time, but you had a bit of momentum and you're at home. And there was 43,000 there, even though there was probably about 10,000 Carlton fans. You'd think you'd try and get up. In the end, to not score at all in that final term was just a real blight on the club. I thought it was very poor. Couldn't and, believe it. And, and, they, and, and they got so easy goals, yeah. did Carlton, in that final term. And, Adam, uh, it's more than disappointing. It's disgusting that, they, that some of the stuff they're, they're putting up and some of the stuff that he's putting up in media conferences and not being queried on it. They were 17 points behind at three-quarter time, not 10. Mm -hmm. He said, we're 10 points down. They were 10 points down uh, at halftime. And then Carlton just demolished West Coast around the ball. I, I thought the, the real monstering was more so in the last quarter when Carlton are finishing the game on. The, the fact that West Coast couldn't run that game out is another indicator of where their program is at. Their overall, their entire program, they're not fit. So they've exuded a lot of energy just getting back in the game in the second quarter, and then they struggle. And they're important players that are brave to be out there, even Natanui and Shuey, uh, that, that Duggan. These boys aren't fit because of the programs they've been on for the last 10 months. Mm -hmm. They can't sustain efforts, second effort, third effort, fourth effort, go again, run back, get on the, get on the, get on the fly when we lose possession. 
an opposition side later in the games and later in the quarters against West Coast are just scoring and running the ball out too easily because West Coast aren't fit. But seven goals to nothing in the last term. So therefore, no score in the first quarter, no score in the third quarter, and only one goal in the third. That's more than a disappointing performance, Adam Simpson. Mm. Okay, let's move on to Fremantle. And uh, we've got a couple of uh, SMSs. You can join us on the uh, Tempera Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. Mike says, hi, Pete and Haggers. Free only to sign and lock away Logue and Banfield. Great yeah. players. Schultz is such a gutsy player. Always gives 100%. When you look at the coaches' votes yesterday, Andrew Brayshaw got eight. Nat five seven, Will Brody seven, Lockie Schultz four, Jordan Clark two, and Rory Lobb picked up a vote yeah. as well. This is what Justin Longmuir had to say about throwing Nat five into the midfield yesterday. It was the big difference in the game. Yeah, we just they out hunted us um, in there, and you know, you've been down that much at centre bounce. You just sort of start your ball movement from the back half, and um, and yeah, ball movement from our D fifty wasn't very good. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we, we smashed them at centre bounce in um, the second half, but um, we're able to um, break even, which um, was probably all we needed. Yeah, an impressive performance on Saturday night at Marvel Stadium by the Dockers after half time. Well, they turned it around, didn't they? They slipped into overdrive uh, from half time, and, uh, and that was after St Kilda had been so dominant in that uh, stoppage and, and contested ball winning areas, and particularly the centre clearances. I thought it was extraordinary, Pete, to turn it around from. St Kilda had won 10 centre clearances to Fremantle, just the two. Uh, and then uh, in steps Nathan Fife. That that was a big moment in that game. He started the second half in that centre square at the centre circle and had a, a, a quick hand pass to play a part in winning that first clearance. And and Fremantle stormed down and they're back in the game. And they, they, they kicked that goal at the two-minute mark of that second term. It was Lobb's second one. And... It did signify a different uh, sort of d- dimension to to Fremantle and certainly their emotions. They they got their running game going for it. Gee, they're an imposing side when they run and, and create from around the mm. congestion, but particularly behind the congestion. Because in the end, I didn't think uh, that the numbers were, 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 were that different, really. The overall contested possessions, 69 to 74, uh, and, and, and also even all, all the hit-outs, they all evened up into the second half because Darcy got better. Darcy wasn't good in the first half, particularly the first quarter. They just did all seem to lift. And on the back of some inspiration, perhaps during the halftime break, but the opening moments of the second half and away they went. And but another one too was was the, the turnaround in performance and, and the work ethic to get into the right positions to receive and then also to receive on the fly, on the break when, when they do spread and run was Andrew Brayshaw's game. And I thought he finished up not not from not at halftime, but certainly by the end of the match. I think he was clearly best on ground. What I then had some difficulty in coming up with would, would be other best on grounds, so Brayshaw three, so three Brownlow votes probably. Mm. I still don't know if he jumps into the front, Peter. I still don't know if he jumps into the front with my reckoning. He's very close to the top votes. But then you could go any one of these boys to be second best on ground, I reckon, and certainly second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth best uh, Fremantle players. Will Brody, 29 possessions. Hayden Young, isn't he becoming mm. consistent and reliable? Eight marks. Jordan Clark, I think, for the run he created, but the use of the ball, their efficiency was something like about 83% across the game and then 60% in front of goals. They're massive improvements in Fremantle overall. We wouldn't have said those things about Fremantle in the last two or three or four years 
even under Justin Longmuir or the end of uh, Ross Lyons' reign. But Nathan Fife, a contender for best player. Griffin Logue, Brennan Cox for his game on Max King. But Logue spent time on King as well. It seemed to depend a little bit on where King was. If he went up the ground, Logue seemed to go with mm. him. And certainly then Darcy or Rory Lobb. What have I got there? Two, four, six, eight. I've got nine or ten players contending for best players. And what has been the huge turnaround for Frio? They're in the game at half time. The difference is only eight points. So it was pretty close. Seven goals to six. But... They turned it on in that third term. They kicked seven goals, four. And in the end, they kicked 111 points, 17-9. We, we look back at the Dockers of three years ago when they were struggling to kick 10, 12 goals in a match. Mm. Things mm. have turned mm. around. Mm. I know it's a different style of football they're playing as well, but they are hitting the scoreboard hags and they kicked 17 goals. And in the end, St Kilda could only muster another three after the break. And they're doing it regularly now. 100 points is not out of the question for Fremantle on a week-to-week basis now. No, and it is. It's it, Another thing I noted, I put into my notes during the match was Fremantle's zoning defence. They call it across the field. It's a field defence. But Fremantle, their defensive field zoning, it forced St Kilda in the second half to play very wide. And St Kilda, and also their their forward line defensive uh, strategies on the likes of Sinclair and Brad Hill, who who probably still had some numbers, reasonable numbers, but they didn't have the effect and the, and the efficiency to take the ball, get the ball, and then run it through the centre square toward their big forwards when St Kilda have been a bit threatening. And I, I think a bit exaggerated because I still don't feel strongly about St Kilda for a t- as a top six, top eight contender. But I wrote it down here. It forced St Kilda into playing slow and then Fremantle could get their numbers back. And uh, it forced them into very wide entry. And uh, and so all of St Kilda's early threat was stifled by what uh, Fremantle did seem to do to themselves during the course of the halftime break to reassert, reassess and, and, and reassert themselves because they controlled the game from then on. As you say, they kicked six unanswered goals in that third term, which turned into seven unanswered because I thought the lob goal uh, just before halftime, Peter, mm-hmm. was, was pretty telling. It was a poor free kick. It wasn't a free kick against Wilkie. Uh, it was called an arm chop, and he didn't even touch his arms, didn't touch his shoulders. He touched the ball in spoiling. It wasn't a free kick. However, it was important for Fremantle. A lot of things are going Fremantle's way this season. A lot of little things. But you make your own luck. You make your own luck, Hags, don't you? You make your own luck. That's what they say. If you take it on, things can fall your way rather than waiting for things to happen. Well, I'm going to go through, and I'll jot point down, all the – um, a million little one percenters and small things that Fremantle have done on the back of what they did over the summer. Mm-hmm. They're fit and healthy. And even for this week, you know, it, it's a massive game. It becomes a huge game against Sydney. And on their current form, I would suggest Fremantle will probably win it. It's at home. Yeah, I think, Sydney, I think Fremantle will win. I liked Sydney. I really did like Sydney last uh, Friday night. They, they, they monstered the Bulldogs. They're tackling and their harassment. 88 tackles. Mm. And they were the winning team. And and their harassment, the, the the player, there was one or two players going at a bulldogs boy because we know the bulldogs' best game is that two, one, one, two, three, four hand passes around the centre square out to the wing onto McRae onto his left foot, uh, or, or or Liberatore or someone on Bontempelli running forward, running free. They're an exciting team. They can't finish. They have no no decent forward. Forget about Aaron Norton. He can't kick. Brilliant mark. He's injury prone. He's banged up now with his knee. But Sydney. They monstered uh, the Bulldogs. They weren't allowed to play anywhere near their preferred game. So if they, if they bring that to the stadium, 
this coming weekend. We're in for a cracking jack game. I'm not sure, just not sure whether Fremantle and Sydney is the game of the weekend. I like the looks, look of Carlton and Geelong at the MCG. It's at the same time as the Fremantle game, so we'll have to watch it in replay somewhere. But So is Sydney, Sydney Fremantle the game of the weekend or Carlton Geelong? I think, well, I I think Carlton Geelong. I think Carlton Geelong after what Carlton produced yesterday and what Geelong is producing at the moment. And again, we go back, it is the battle of the tall forwards yeah, at either end yeah. of the ground. That's what's going to make it really exciting for Just us. Just before closing on Fremantle, I think a big story this week will be will loom, or big stories around Fremantle. I've got an injury watch here out of, out of their weekend. Now, clearly Alex Pierce, who pulled out yesterday with Late. a calf. Mm. Now, were you thinking really close? Look, we do have some alternatives. Logue is so... Um, if, uh, 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 versatile, we can throw him back. He doesn't have to play forward. We can play Coxie on on Max King. Max King was sooky. He was really sooky Saturday night. He cracked <laughs> it. He, he he really spat it. But Alex Pierce with his calf, did they sort of also think, oh, we just might need you to play on Buddy Franklin yeah. next week? So perhaps. But uh, and Heath Chapman coming off waffle recovery, hamstring injury, back in action. You'd like to have his run run off half back and out or out off the wing, but who did you who would you leave out? Mm. And I think also Rory Lobb. I noticed he tweaked an ankle. He tweaked an ankle in a marking contest with Rowan Marshall, uh, and I just it was pretty late in the game. And I just wonder if he might pull up a little bit sore, and we need to keep an eye on him. But Rory yeah. Lobb as an injury watch as well. And so I, think, I think were, I think Blake Akers and Nathan O'Driscoll also face fitness tests during the course of the week as well. So and you look, we had that query about uh, from Mike. Yeah, Mike saying should lock Fremantle away those players, lock away Logue and Banfield. I, I would say absolutely. Banfield's. It, Banfield and Logue, they're two most versatile players. They could play tall or small. They could play forward. Banfield's not so much could play back. But Banfield could play a lockdown uh, defensive forward, as I thought he did on Sinclair on Saturday night. Uh, I'd lock Banfield away. Logue is going to stay on the market. West Coast are having a look at Logue now. Would Griffin Logue be a good get for West Coast? I would say yes. Absolutely. Given what they're going to have to do, and we've said with West Coast, West Coast are going to have to come up with pick number one, Let's say pick number two in the draft. They finished second last. Pick number two, pick number 19. They've got to put a pick from Port in their mid to late 20s, depending on where Port finished, and a pick number at, say, 36, 37. So four players inside the first 36 or seven in the draft. I'd like to think that West Coast are planning to pick up three or four kids that play round one next year and get rid of some of these old blokes that are tired and worn (laughs) out and unfit, but also an uncontracted player through the preseason draft uh, yeah. Griffin Logue. And I worked with Brad Shepherd on the run home on Friday, and he's convinced that Griffin Logue won't go to West Coast because he doesn't want to go to West Coast. And this is Brad Shepherd telling me on Friday. Now, I don't know whether Brad knows anything. Well, hang on. Let, let, me, let me be a bit he, of a devil's advocate. He's saying he's a, he's a corporate sports boy. He's Colin Young's mate. He's, he was in their stable from the time he was about 16. He would know. Griffin Logue, oh, he's corporate saying, sports. He's, he's with corporate sports. Griffin Logue <laughs> will not end up at the West Coast, Eagles. That's according well, uh, to Brad uh, Shepard. Well, Brad, there is no such thing as will in footy. Let me tell you, someone who's been a victim of it, things change. And also, ching, ching. Depends what sort of money is on offer from West yeah. Coast compared to Fremantle or even East Coast. 
East Coast clubs. They're, I think he'd be pretty popular, Griffin Logue. Mm. Yes, Fremantle should lock him up as soon as possible, but he's going to wait because he's getting some good offers from elsewhere. Griffin okay, Logue. we're going to take a break. Come and join us on the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line's there for you. It's available. 13 12 55. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, time's flying past here on uh, Drive with Peter Vlahos and Kim Hagdon on this Monday. Optus Stadium has been 700 central this year, according to Paul. Josh Kennedy has kicked his 700th goal at Optus. Tom Hawkins has kicked his 700th goal at Optus. And Josh Kennedy has kicked another 700 goals for West Coast at Optus. Yeah, it has become uh, 700 uh, central. Let me tell you, congratulations to Optus Stadium, uh, getting that coveted award last week as the best venue uh, in the world, which is uh, terrific. And this weekend, it is a Saturday night game, uh, Fremantle Dockers against the Sydney Swans. Haggis, let's have a look at a couple of the other issues. Firstly, uh, let's have a look. First, let's touch on the Western Bulldogs. And this is Luke Beveridge uh, after their loss and their big loss on Friday night against the Swans. I've never sat here and made excuses and I, and I won't start doing it. You know, some relativity around a few things, but, but ultimately... Um, you know, the margins of being the team that wins, say, close games and beats the better teams, they, they seem small. Um, but to bridge the gap, which we did to a degree last year, it takes an enormous amount of conviction, um, enormous amount of preparation, uh, enormous amount of sophistication in what you do. And, uh, you know, I believe the sophistication is still there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, whether it's the preparation and the, the capacity to do it is just lot, um, not quite there at the moment. Um, there's, there's a number of factors, but, uh, but ultimately the, the competition um, at, the, at the pointy end has gone past us a little bit. Interesting comment that the competition's gone past us. He's almost resigned to the fact, after being grand finals last year, Haggis, mm. they're probably uh, unlikely to play finals footy this year. Well, I'm certainly feeling it that way and have been for a few weeks now. Uh, the Bulldogs, you sort of thought you know, early in the season, talk about the third, approaching the bye, that if there was a side that could turn things around, it could be the Bulldogs mm. because of their ball-winning personnel. But they, they just lack key forwards. They just do not have enough players that can kick enough goals for them with all the possessions they get. I think their defence is a little bit vulnerable as well, but mm. that, that's oversimplifying things. It gets, I get the impression that Luke Beveridge is resigned there, that yeah, no, we're he, gone and we start working on next year a little bit. Exactly. And uh, in relation also to Richmond, we've spoken about Richmond, and we'll come back to a couple of little stories here that you want to get out, Haggis. Uh, Damien Hardwick uh, spoke just very briefly on losing their composure late in the game. Good sides don't do that. I think we just lost our composure. Um, you know, the challenge, and what I've got to remind myself is we've been experienced side for a fair period of time, but we've got a lot of inexperience in there at the moment. So we've got to go through the fundamentals of what that looks like and, and how we can absorb that pressure and, and use it to our advantage. Yeah, and they've lost, a, as we know, a few experienced players. Well, and they can, a stop, couple Leroy, on the they can stop Leroising too. Yeah. I think there's a real arrogance at uh, Richmond. And, uh, you know, I, I saw Shea Bolton and saw Jason Castagna just just waste shots at goal. Uh, the Castagna one was just unforgivable. And a coach, to allow that to go on, just he was running free, took his time, kicked, and it, it allowed 
Gold Coast defenders to close in on him and at angles and then finish with a touch on the ball. He was 30 metres clear. Mm. Skylarky. There's there's a complacency right through Richmond and uh, we still marvel what they're like when they're at their best. But I think they're another side that there's so much analysis goes on, isn't there? All opposition. And I think even Chris Scott has referred to it a few times where he sort of, I've heard him mention, you know, you can't just do the same thing all the time because opposition will work you out. We have to keep changing. We have to find new ways. We have to work on, not find new ways, work on new ways. And that's something that impresses me about Chris Scott as well. Work on new ways, not find them. No, no, oh, they've got to find a way. No, no, no. Let's develop it and work on it. Mm. So Geelong appealed to me because they can play different paces, different types of games. Even the other night, I didn't rely on Hawkins no. and Cameron to kick goals. I mean, Rowan... Bobbed up. And you know what Stengel they did? Stengel has been reliable. Stengel's like, been fantastic. But what they did, you know, we thought Dangerfield would play a couple of weeks ago. They've held him back, held him back, yeah. held him back. And, and look, what, look what he was like and, on Thursday and night. And Selwood yeah. gets held back also. Yeah. And Selwood the other night too. Very small amount in terms of overall total of game time and started every quarter at the bench. Mm. So there's management going on there uh, in running. Let's talk about Essendon. Uh, they've won two consecutive games for the first time this year, uh, and they well, really put it, their last four. Yeah, and they've put a bit of a dent in the Lions' sort of lofty finals aspirations. Even though, as we know, we've got to say that Brisbane were undermanned a bit, but still, you've got to beat the opposition that's uh, out there, and and they did that away from home. So all of a sudden, Essendon. You know, they won't play finals, but they're getting a bit of momentum. They're one of those sides that'll be more than nuisance value between now and the end of the season. And I believe there's a lot of developments away from the field at the moment regarding Essendon. And one could be a a significant story if it lands. Yes, look, uh, there'll be be a couple. One one out of this town, uh, and we'll come to that in just a moment. And another one from, in terms of national sport, because I've always sort of said, Peter, that from all year round, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes in the AFL circles. And what you see at the at the, at the shop front window mm. is nothing like what's going on behind the scenes. I understand now Essendon are heavily, now heavily into Fremantle big man Rory Lobb. It's been well, ta- well ta- uh, touted that Rory Lobb is, and his management are looking for a deal. I've actually been told that he has a deal on the table for a move to, to Melbourne town. That was to the Bulldogs. But Essendon maintained that if they could get Rory Lobb, he's just their sort of player to join in and share that forward line with Peter Wright, Jake Stringer, Harrison Jones, who's going to be a good player in time to come, and that little bit of pinch hitting in the ruck Mm. with Draper. They're heavy into Rory Lobb, very keen on Rory Lobb for 2023. And what has also transpired is that it won't cost anyone, wherever Rory Lobb goes next year, the sort of money that's, that he's on this year. You know, it was t- touted that, oh, his contract is too big, eight hundred grand in 2022. Well, it's a lot less than that because his contract was front-ended. Mm. And now that's why Eastern States clubs are far more interested in Rory Lobb, plus his form. But the biggest one there is, well, also Liam Jones. You know, the yeah, Carlton the player. Carlton player, yeah. Essen very confident they're going to get Liam Jones out of – well, effectively retirement, a free agent at the end of the season to play in defence and possibly be coached by the great Alistair Clarkson. My understanding is that Essendon uh, and Alistair Clarkson are into full negotiations, heavy negotiations on the prospect of Alistair Clarkson coaching them from next year. Now, the question might be, well, what about Tassie? We were talking about Tassie not long ago. 
Apparently, Alistair Clarkson is is concerned that the Tasmania move, which will come in, they'll get a team, but too far away. Few, few years off, and he wants to get back in the system. Hags, we'll talk more about that after the break. And by the way, we'll update the Cricket Australia. We've lost a couple of quick wickets, by the way, too. This shaky is, day tomorrow yeah. for the Cricket Australian boys. This is Drive with Peter Vlahos and Kim Hagdorn on this Monday night. Uh, Australia, by the way, are three for 63 in their oh, second innings. Labashane is nine. Head uh, just got out there. He's only faced a one ball yet to get off the mark. And Steve Smith, who made a century in the first innings, lasted four balls. Oh, LBW for no it's score. A, it's a, oh, it's a crap game, cricket, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know why Why some of us played their whole lives of it. And Australia trailed by 127 runs with only seven second innings wickets shaky, in hand. Shaky day tomorrow. We touched on Rory Lobb uh, and Essendon's interest in Rory Lobb now, Peter, and... and you know, I think it'll grow as a story that Alistair Clarkson is in talks with Essendon mm. and perhaps is more interested in Essendon because the Tasmania move is probably too far away for him to stay out of footy for another couple of years probably and also interested, very keen on a big power Melbourne club. A big, Which big, Essendon are. And imagine the rivalry Essendon and Hawthorne if Clarkson's yes. coaching Essendon after Hawthorne did what they did to Clarkson last Goes year. Goes back to the 80s, doesn't They've it? They paid him his million dollars this year, uh, uh, Hawthorne, and then Essendon start paying him <laughs> 1.2, 1.3, 1.4. And also Rory Lobb hot on their radar. Essendon working feverishly behind the scenes. And uh, we've said Liam Jones, who's living on the Gold Coast, uh, I think was was met by Essendon officials during the course of that stay with their with their trip to Brisbane this weekend. The other one this week will be a pretty big story, I reckon, out of West Coast on Jeremy McGovern. So McGovern will get a decision on whether he plays again this year. Only six games to go, and the last two, an away derby and a trip to Geelong. So three or four weeks away before he even starts retraining. Uh, my suspicion is that uh, on the back of busted ribs, punctured lung. I don't know if it's been reported anywhere. He actually mm. punctured the lung. It's too big an injury for Jeremy McGovern to bother coming back for this year where West Coast is at to sit sit out, recover, and then then hopefully have another one or two or three years ahead of him out of contract at the end of next year. And we keep hearing that Jeremy McGovern not that enthused about playing beyond that contract. But McGovern's... Injury call this week, I think, will be a big big one mm. for West Coast. And the other thing you reported about a week or so ago about uh, Luke Jackson meeting up with Peter Bell and Jamie Graham when, of course, well, Fremantle were in over Mordialic, there. In the Main yeah. Street Cafe in Mordialic. Uh, I believe that Melbourne uh, heard this mm. and they did a bit of a reconnaissance mission and made a couple of calls to that <laughs> establishment where reportedly and allegedly these three had got together. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and and the, they, ca- they, the cafe they actually, they actually rang the cafe, rang the cafe, wanting to try and get some confirmation, and actually sought any CC television uh, <laughs> for evidence because I get the impression Melbourne are a bit uh, narky on the Luke Jackson Fremantle negotiations. Well, that it's going on and on and on and getting very strong. My latest uh, is Peter on the Jackson one that uh, Luke Jackson and other. Recruiters around the country, managers are aware that perhaps Fremantle's deal's gone to eight years. Wow. At 750 to 800 a year to make sure they get him over the line. So Jackson, I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced Jackson's coming to Fremantle for next year. Lob goes. And as we know, two or three others, Logue could go. Banfield probably stays. Acres is another one on the market to try and get him to go somewhere so they can get trade, uh, get draft picks, but also shift some money 
to bring in Luke Jackson, an eight-year deal for Luke Jackson now. And he's getting very strong and very convinced and he's going to play for Fremantle. Mm, interesting. Good on you, Hag. See you on Thursday. Uh, thanks for joining us. Good on you, Bray. Done a great job there, mate. And uh, I look forward to your company from 5 o'clock tomorrow when we continue Drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA. Have a great Monday night, all.